I am not the best with it either. And this the way my life was set up. This is all I do is just like <laughs> click record and just like take the things from it and leave it. I don't play like I I just learned how to change the background. Like we was on the uh, family zone and I was like, I'm on the San Francisco bridge. They like Shady in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> yes, family, I traveled. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I started off being happy as hell, so <laughs> I like don't accept it no more. I, there's a girl at work who does stuff with us sometimes. She's like, y'all know I'm not good with technology. I'm like, uh-uh. We've been in this pandemic long enough to be using it. It really has app. been. Same. No, that's not working no more. That used no. to work. It has been. I know. It's, we, it's really been a year. And we're, like, we're actually old enough to know how to use technology the right way. Yeah. Not like our parents' generation where they're like, how do you work this flip phone or something? You know? So, yeah. Wrong. I meant to say, I heard you talking about the Zoom. Um, our Christmas Zoom was a hot mess. What happened? With me arguing with my mom's husband, because he kept saying stuff. He was like, did you put me on mute? Why ain't nobody responded? I said, nobody's responded because nobody cares. Nobody <laughs> wants to talk about what you're talking about. That's why nobody's responding. You're not on mute. Y'all not beefing in the Zoom right now. No, y'all not. <laughs> Yo, but that is so factual. The way that they take up time talking about things. You're like, this is not why I came on here, though. Absolutely. This Mute. Is Mute. This okay. Because uh. my cousin went on a whole pork rant. And I'm like, girl, don't nobody, nobody. care about your pork rant at all. <laughs> Mute. And she, yes, you're going to do that. Oh, yes. And we're going to move right past this pork rant. Okay. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm ready to go. I'm ready to. Okay. Okay. Start. Welcome back to No Class Podcast, the podcast that has unfiltered conversations about everything you didn't learn in school. Hey, Anthony J. How you doing today? What's up, Chantel B? I'm going to start calling you that. Well, I mean, it's it's factual. Like you can. It's factual. It's factual, <laughs> and it's factual. You don't want I want, and I'm asking. <laughs> so we've been warming up. Um, we have had a a lot that we've been discussing. Mostly, um, Anthony J's dog Ari has been asking for his attention, and he's here working. <laughs> so, how do you do that working from home? Honestly, like you just what, giving what her happened? the attention that she was asking for. You just feeding into it right now, Chantel. <laughs> You just really feeding. She don't hear me. You're feeding to the kid being very <laughs> immature and spoiled right now. She don't even hear me. I'm not speaking in dog like she don't hear me. <laughs> she be knowing. She be knowing. I swear. She she got that ear perked up like somebody talk about me. Like I, how she already the nosiest person in the world that I know. So oh, <laughs> she listening. Well, we have a very special guest with us, someone who has joined us before in our classroom, a substitute teacher, actually a fave of the No Class Podcast teachers. Um, please introduce yourself and let us know why you are here. Hey, everyone. Uh, this is Jason Ash. I'm so glad to be back with y'all. Thank y'all for having me back. Um, delighted to have this conversation about Christianity and how it's showing up right now in the U.S. and it's both colorful and not so great ways. So this is going to be a great topic. I'm excited to have this. Yeah. Nice. 
I like your choice of words, colorful and not it, <laughs> colorless. <laughs> or, or color, colorless, okay? Wink, wink. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I'm really glad to be here with y'all. So thank y'all. Yes. So I'll go ahead and jump into it since you have kind of given us the, the intro to it. And so last year when we had Jason on, and I think it was like around Easter time, we talked about questioning our Christianity. At the same time, we had this idea to have this topic and talk about, was Jesus black and does it matter? It is one of the oldest questions ever. Mm-hmm. Um and even though there are um, there is history, there are things to point us to what that answer is or what that answer is not. It is still the age-old question, um, and seems to hold a lot of weight and make a big difference um, for people in different ways. Um, so I'm excited because I've never got to do like a good deep dive into it. It's always been a question that is yeah. kind of like um, secondary, but it's going to be primary today. So. Let's start off and pop off with the, when you see Jesus, <laughs> wherever, I'm not saying when you see him, when you close your eyes, I'm saying in churches and homes, which Jesus do you see? What does the Jesus look like that you usually see depicted in your life? Mm. Mm. That's a good question. I feel like you asked two different questions so i'm gonna answer the first one i'm I'm gonna identify and say that the way that i see jesus is not the way that jesus is normally seen in public so but of course we know that when we see jesus if you google jesus every picture you see is going to be a white man with relatively brownish brown like reddish hair so he looks kind of ruddy um Normally blue eyes, sometimes brown eyes, depending if people were not as creative and trying to follow the same American norms of blue eyes being beautiful, right? But like he's a, he's an attractive white man, nice skin. That's what I, that's what I normally see outside. The way I see Jesus, and it's going to be really <laughs> controversial, Jesus looks like someone who is from the Middle East territory. So he is a person of color. He is someone who would not be a typical salvation figurine. Um, But that's the type of person that I see and I think about. So, and I know that that's a lot already. So we'll unpack that as we go. (laughs) What do y'all think? Yeah, that is a lot. But I'm, I mean, I didn't think about what Anthony was saying in two in you know two things like you did and I found that very interesting um because I do I remember seeing images even in you know like black households of Jesus being um the latter description of what you just said um Mm. the white man or pale skin um (laughs) the straight brunette or like brown hair um Mm -hmm. in some sort of like white cloth with like a little Mm -hmm. belt like a rope belt or something Um, (laughs) (laughs) the the sandals or maybe the feet with no shoes you know Mm -hmm. so i'm very used to that or being in a position of like prayer or like Mm -hmm. hands lift hands like out and lifted up towards the air you know something like that 
that is the image yeah. I'm used to seeing. But in my household, um, my father was a big fan of like black and like African art and artists. And so there's a painting that we have um, in my family's home and it's depicted of this dark skinned man with um, mm. locks or dreadlocks um, mm. with like white mm-hmm. on. And um, I've actually, some, it was something so crazy because I went to a black owned restaurant in DC, like um, prior to everything happening with the coronavirus. And I saw this exact painting in this restaurant that is in my family's home. And it just, it, it just made me beam because I was like, not only is God here, but like my dad is here because he's the one who chose this piece of artwork. And so um, I'm my, my image of Jesus was um, a black man with like, mm. like distinguishedly black. Like he has yeah. dark brown skin and his hair is just like mine, you know, the same yeah. texture. And my hair is in locks, you know? And right. he has white, and he just looks very regal and majestic. Um, mm. Those are the two images that I've seen, but the one that I resonate the most with is the black figure, so. Wow. You um, reminded me, mine is gonna be a little bit of a funny story. So I, my mom would always, um, Jesus in the house was always black. Um, I can't say that that was always the same when we went to church. And sometimes that was mixed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he was black, and then you look on the church fan, and he was white. Mm-hmm. He was, and so it varied. But the funny thing that I'm thinking about that you reminded me of, Chantel, is my mom would um, purchase the typical like black portraits that you would see of Jesus and the disciples and stuff like that. And I remember the specific time there was this man who used to just always have random shit and sell it. And my mom was like, oh, this is such a beautiful picture, don't you think? I'm like, it just looks like all the rest of them. And my mom was like, oh, it's <laughs> good. And he was like, hey, this artist made it and da, 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 and I have it and I'll sell it for you for like, it was like $40 or something. And I remember sitting there like, mm-mm, mm-mm. She's like, I'm gonna get it, it looks nice. <laughs> And so she gets it and she's like, oh, isn't it cool? And the artist, da, da, da. And I'm just like, there was something about me that I was like, uh-uh, no lie. It was like two weeks later, we were in Marshalls and Sutton and there's that picture. And I was like, he tried to tell you this was like custom made. I told you this was a scam. You said it was in Marshalls. Not your mother getting played by Marshalls. <laughs> oh, that, when you talked about the pictures, I had forgotten about that. And when you said that, I was like, oh, I remember that time that man scammed my mom. With that picture of Jesus and the disciples, and she went for it because Jesus was black and she loved a black Jesus. So that man was on the come up too. He was like, I know how to re- do this resale before the internet, okay? <laughs> um, so yeah, that's my I've, I've always thought it was interesting that, um, especially in the um racial equity work that um I do with my job, and we've done it with a couple of faith based um organizations too, when we bring up the topic of the black Jesus and we look at the pictures that are there mm-hmm. in the church, um, mm-hmm. that is a deep conversation. And it seems mm-hmm. like uh, that people can verbalize and easy to say, oh yeah, Jesus can be black or that is acceptable. But when you actually talk about what is there and installed, mm-hmm. that's like where the rubble meets the road at. 
And yeah. I, I've also thought that it's always been very eerie and very um, strange to me when you are in majority um, black places and there is white Jesus. Yeah. Right? And so mm -hmm. I've always, I guess, had the assumption that if white Jesus, that I think I grew up with the assumption that people made Jesus look in the image of what they were. So if it was black people, then you would see black Jesus, white people, white Jesus. But it has always stood out to me when it's like, oh, there's black people, but there's white Jesus. Mm -hmm. right? so at some mm -hmm. point, I got that message that like everybody mm -hmm. makes Jesus look like them, but that's not always the case. Yeah, that's. I think you've hit it on the head. <laughs> so, and that's part of the issue when it comes to the iconography of Jesus. Like, what is Jesus as an icon for? Who is Jesus supposed to sim like? What does he symbolize? Who is he? Who is he supposed to represent, and who is he representing? I think that that question is kind of what makes the skin tone of Jesus always controversial. So, I am first generation American. My family comes from Antigua in the Caribbean, and when we, not we, when I was growing up in church. Um, you know, I just kind of accepted a lot of the things that my family taught to me about Christianity and faith. And we were going to a church that was predominantly African American, um, even though there were a lot of Caribbean immigrants there. And I remember <laughs> very specifically that the Black American folks who I now, and I'll say, and I'll, I'll clean it up a little bit too in a little bit, but I remember being a kid feeling like, huh, all of the other kids keep asking, what is Jesus's color? And I kept thinking, why does that matter? And I realized, and kind of back to your point, Anthony, I think when people are experiencing society in a particular way, and you are looking to the hero figure, you want your hero to look like you so the story makes sense. The problem is in America, mo this, the, the fantasy of hero and the idolatry of heroes is always around white people, <laughs> right? Like everyone who is, most people who are heroes in America are white. And so then of course it also makes sense that the, the hero of your faith should represent exactly who you think a hero would look like, right? For black people, white people are not our heroes, <laughs> they, right? They haven't been and they, well, I, yeah, they, they just historically have not been our heroes. Um, so, to answer the, the question I think of today, is Jesus black or was Jesus black? I, I answer that and say, was, was Jesus black? Questionable in terms of what we say as blackness, right? Like anything that was not white back in the day, I would say is black, <laughs> right? Um, and I'm, I'm low-key quoting you, Anthony, from your work with BRJA, right? Like this idea that, you know, other immigrant um, and ethnic groups would, would more want to cling to whiteness rather than the other op option, right? So was Jesus black? He wasn't white. That's my answer. <laughs> who does Jesus, who should Jesus be symbolizing and representing? A hundred percent. Jesus stands for the least of these. Jesus walked alongside those who society said were not worthy to be counted as human right like the so in every situation in every stance you see jesus would have been with and walking alongside the people who society disenfranchised 
denigrated and treated like trash. So to some extent, Jesus is everything Black. He is the epitome of Blackness, right? He is, he is the epitome of equity. He is disrupting society. But you always see him as white. And I think a real question for, you know, viewers and for even for any Christian in America is, how comfortable would you be really thinking about a white man being hanged in front of everyone in public display? That's uncomfortable, <laughs> right? Like, he's born into an unconventional family. White people don't want to cling to that. Like, there's so much about Jesus that says that he is everything that white people don't want to be. But it's amazing that he looks white in every picture. That's disturbing. And quite frankly, it messes up our well-being as Black people. You brought up two things that, okay, I want to try to get to both. They're both big. So one, I'm realizing that this conversation of Jesus being Black, um, if you, because I don't know verses off the top of my head or passages that say that give this conversation of mm -hmm. why he would be Black or not be mm -hmm. Black, if you could cite some of that. And then yeah. the second is the um, conversation that you and I had. Well, I'll let you answer that. But what's coming is the conversation that we had before about why some people gravitate and name God and don't name Jesus and how that is racialized. But mm. if you could talk mm. about the part of, um, yeah, where it is in the passage that is also overlooked or ignored or find some type of loophole around Jesus not being white. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you you brought that up too. I, because I did mean to bring that up before. There is, in the book of Revelation, um, the first chapter, um, I believe it's the 14th and 15 verses, prepared preachers would have had the Bible pulled up. So I'm going <laughs> to throw myself under the bus and say I should have been prepared to have my Bible pulled up. But it does talk about um, the texture of Jesus's hair being white as wool and his skin having a bronze um, tone, right? And so a lot of, and that's actually where, when I remember being young and one of the deacons saying and citing that and saying, yeah, the, the Bible says that he has hair um, that's woolly um, and skin tone that is a little bit browner, right? And so we gravitate to that, um, even though, which I think that that's a whole other can of worms, it comes from a book of Revelation where a lot of that writing is very hard for us to interpret and understand, right? <laughs> right, you hear, you hear Christian folks talking about the book of Revelation and just, thinking is like, oh, the end of times, blah, blah, blah. But that's where the Bible specifically talks, or that's where it's most cited that we talk about the skin tone and the, the hair texture of Jesus. There are other places in the Bible, though, that's um, biblical scholars, one that I, and I do not say that I am one, um, but other biblical scholars have said that when Jesus is around a crowd of people, it's often that he is able to retreat and when he's able to retreat and find, and find time for like his own self-care, people don't know where he's gone to. So he's able to kind of blend into the crowd. Again, the crowd is not in Europe. These people are not in mm. Sweden, right? Like the, the, the region where they are, if the person that you say is your savior and the person that you're following is also able to blend in with the crowd so much so that he can even hide away and folks are like, where did he go? 
a white man is going to stand out in a crowd mm-hmm. <laughs> in in an area like Palestine and Israel, right? Um, and dare I even say, someone who might be of a beautiful chocolate <laughs> complexion, he too might also stand out a little bit, even though I still think that the diversity of skin tone is there, right? So I, but either way, Jesus is not white. <laughs> so when we see these pictures of Jesus be with blue eyes and white skin, and there's always this glow, like he uses Neutrogena. Like we have to really <laughs> acknowledge that that is that is that is not true. That is a that is a caricature. That is a caricature of Jesus. And one thing that's important, and I think you kind of named it too, Anthony, is there's also nothing wrong with imagining who God and Jesus, who, who, your, who uh, your deities are, right? So there's nothing wrong with throwing and to have that level of curiosity. And because when you're a kid, you, you, you have imaginary friends, right? So God, I imagine you probably assumed what he looked like or what they look like. We can talk about that later. Um, but, and the same thing with Jesus. I think that people have an imagination because it's easier to believe in someone that they can see. Right, like it's easier to have a relationship and feel like you have a connection with someone or something that you can at least name attributes to. So I don't fault people for imagining what Jesus can look like, but there's a huge danger in imagining that Jesus is white rather than imagining that Jesus is who Jesus probably was. Um, yeah, it's so it's so layered. Um, and to your other and to your other point too, when we talk about God, quote unquote, versus Jesus, I think that that that's something that a lot of Christian folks have always struggled with. We name ourselves as monotheistic, meaning that we believe in one God, and at the same time, Christianity names that God is three in one, a triune God. So to some extent, I don't know, like that, the question of monotheism versus polytheism, right? Having more than one God, that's something that Christianity has kind of, that's been a longstanding argument as well. Um, but I think the, the reality is, I don't know, have y'all ever seen the movie The Shack with um, Octavia Butler? It actually, it's actually based on a book um, where a white man loses his daughter in a shack. And when he goes back to the shack years later, um, he encounters God there and God shows up as a black woman and he encounters Jesus and Jesus shows up and Jesus looks like someone who is from the Middle East. And then he meets the Holy Spirit, right? And so it's a very interesting, I say all that to say that who we think about in terms of God, Jesus, even the, the triune God, right? Those representations, that matters those those images are racialized those images are sexualized right so we 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 mass we assign masculine traits to god even though the book uh, the bible and actually all of the abrahamic traditions islam judaism and christianity all use the same language in the creation story when god is speaking god says let us make humanity in our image right so god doesn't have this masculine pronoun, <laughs> but we assign masculinity to God. And I think like that's where we really need to, that there's a lot of ways that we assign things and attributes to God that can end up being more harmful. 
And so while we want to make God palpable and while we want to make faith and Christianity and Jesus accessible, we want people, you know, like I, I am, y'all know I'm a, I'm a very, I'm very churchy. <laughs> I'm very churchy, but like, I, you know, I love, I love my faith. I love, I love Christianity in the sense of what the values teach me. Um, and so if I want people to also say like, oh, this is a cool religion to join alongside, it does matter. Is it palpable? Is, is, is Jesus someone that they can relate to? But you also have to make sure that when you relate to that Jesus, there are certain things that you have to denounce. And white supremacy is one of those things you have to denounce, point blank, period. But I've said a lot. <laughs> you said a lot of good things, you know, in, in my opinion, because um, I think you've given more nuance to the conversation than what is always allowed in our daily practice of religion. Um, there's so much that is said about the scripture and the word, but identifying Jesus's race and gender and yeah. gender is a big yeah. deal because yeah. you're right. There is a, there is so layered, but yet so many people feel like they don't have a space to yeah. practice because they don't see likeness in this image or in mm -hmm. who he or her or they are portrayed as, mm -hmm. you know? So it's a really, it's a really interesting conversation to have. And, you know, this is a platform, this is the platform to just do that. I'm so glad that mm -hmm. we are having this conversation because to see like, even us being like, we are black people on this show. Yeah. We, yeah. I know I was indoctrinated into Christianity from birth. Because mm -hmm. my, <laughs> It's, it's ancestral in the same way that it is not ancestral. And I think a lot of us can relate, especially mm -hmm. um, Jason, your family being from Antigua in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. You know, like that was something that we all had to deal with is the assimilation of Christianity and of those type of values other than the tribalism and, you know, what all we may have come from in the countries of our origin. Yeah. So it's a it's a big deal and it it's way beyond just the word, but it's about the propaganda that is associated with the image and the words and how it is constantly used to promote racial disparity and to promote racial dissension. Yeah. So, yeah. You did that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, but no, I think I, yeah, you have named a lot too, because I think a lot of, you know, as I'm starting to get older um, and I'm, I'm talking with other friends who are in this age group of the, the, the mid thirties, the early thirties, late twenties, I think we are also coming to a place where, okay, we may have grown up in very religious spaces, but there are a lot of questions that we were not allowed to ask. That do, and those questions really would have either helped us um, be more solid in what we believe, or at least give space for what I think is very healthy. And I don't know. I don't know is a healthy response, <laughs> right? And, and if anything, when we start to say, I don't know, that's when we can start to allow our imagination and our curiosity and our creativity for God 
and our religion to really allow for possibilities, right? Endless possibilities, because again, I'm churchy. So <laughs> Bible says eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, right? So I have, even in these last days of political unrest, <laughs> I have started to really question. I say, God, if this is, if this is not, if, if earth is always going to have this level of suffering, right? Then what must heaven look like? And I think that that's a very beautiful space for me to be in because that's where my hope comes back, right? Because then I can say, but wait a minute, in, amidst all this suffering, we have a black woman vice president elect. We have, never would we have fathomed, right? Like we also have Reverend Warnock. <laughs> we have John, like the, the world has changed while evil has been trying to be loud. So in these moments, I'm like, oh, this is exactly how I know God is real, right? Because I see signs of Jesus saves on the Capitol building. And I'm like, that's, we don't serve the same Jesus, right? But like, so I think living in that space is beautiful because I can now see my faith coming to life in front of other people, right? I'm seeing it. And now I can start to talk about it very openly in front of other people and say, they're like, oh, Christianity. I'm like, oh, well, Christianity also has a sect underneath called Christian nationalism, right? Where, where you see white people, mostly white people feel that Christianity is a part of their American identity. Once I can start to see that, I can start to name that and say, oh, that's not what I adhere to. On the flip side, I see generations of Black folks traversing, right? I see my family who has left one island who, and they say, you know, there was, there was political unrest there. And so they left for America. And I'm like, well, great selection. <laughs> right? But I think that really goes to show that Black people continue to survive despite. And so when I start to think, I'm like, well, what kind of God will honor those type of people? That's the, when you start to live in that space and ask questions like that, I think that's where the hope, the joy comes back. That's where, that's, I mean, that's what James Cone would call, like he, he came up with black liberation theology. Um, there are black womanists out there who are speaking to womanist theology, the intersection of gender and, and blackness and class as it relates to theology, right? Like, I think that that's where you can really unpack and see for us, oh, our faith can make a little bit more sense it just depends on who's talking. So, yeah, <laughs> I've gotten on a whole rant. <laughs> a great one, though. That's a great one. And I really love that framing of the, because um, we can get caught in the everyday. So then what does the, I love your question. So then what would heaven look like then? Mm -hmm. Based on what is happening here on earth, on, on this hell that we're in, right? Yeah. Um, that is a beautiful framing. I love that. I love that. Um. And so before I ask kind of like my last, well, I'm going to just ask my last question and then I'll <laughs> tell anything or if you do. But the, there is the, um, again, the, in my work, there has been the conflict of was Jesus black or was he not? And then people are like, well, there doesn't have to be a, we don't have to agree on it. We can agree to discipline. Mm, mm -hmm. Or we can have this colorblind, like, vision of what he is and so um in order not to continue to have this conflict and so uh, i wanted to know what your both of your thoughts were on that on is it okay to be like you know what 
we think of it differently or there's more of a conversation that needs to be pushed um, and to work through whatever that conflict is or it's okay to be like our image of, of Jesus is different and that's fine. Mm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll go first. I'll answer and say when I, this is a, a, another great question. When I was in seminary, um, I was taking the class called American Christianity. Um, and in our, just like any other classes, lecture style, but of course, cause it's 200 people in the class, they have recitation, right? And so we're in recitation class. Um, I go to, I'm going to a predominantly white, um, Southern, Christian and they're evangelical, Protestant, mainline. We can, you know, I think that those those are buzzwords. Um, we can unpack at a later date or whatever, or y'all can look it up for homework. <laughs> um, so, but one of the questions, that was one of the questions that I posed to the classroom, because I think at that point, you know, you know how sometimes Christians can do a whole lot of like, we're gonna talk around issues. So I was like, okay, well, what if Jesus was really black, right? And I remember one of my classmates was a white man and he was infuriated. He said, the color of Jesus does not matter. He's like, when I take communion, I am, you know, communion is a sacred practice in most Christian spaces. Um, some people call it Eucharist, <laughs> um, but it is, you know, you're partaking in this, this final meal that Jesus had with his disciples. And he says, when I'm taking this meal, I'm thinking about the blood that was shed for me, his body that was broken for me. And I, and I remember saying to him, I said, perfect, break down your, 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 uh, your glass picture of Jesus and make him black and think about a black broken body that, right? <laughs> and when I tell you this man's fury just turned into tears, and I think we joke about it when we always, we say like, you know, white tears, right? But I, I think like that, for me, that was a very, I said, whoa, by me taking away your Jesus, you literally feel lost. Mm. Whereas I grew up in a space where Jesus was white and I still worshiped him, <laughs> right? Because I, I, I connected with the story of who he was. And so then I said, oh, then I became, then I started to get old and I said, oh, Jesus could not have been white, <laughs> right? But I think that that's the craziest part is that if for black people, other parts of the story were still making sense enough to us that we said, hmm, not all of the parts of the story makes are true or not all of the story can be true, right? Like Bible endorses slavery. We can't ignore that. The Bible, well, I shouldn't endorse, I say endorse, but there are parts of the Bible that were used to endorse slavery. There are parts of the Bible that are used to endorse um, women being subjected and, and subject, <laughs> subjugated in churches, right? Um, domestic violence can be like, right? So the Bible is complicated and yet still black people could say, though he slay me yet, I will trust it, right? Like, I think that that, that position, that perspective is very important for us to acknowledge. And I think that that's where black theology and black liberation theology and, and womanist theology and, um, I think it's Mujerista theology, although I'm not well versed in it, but it really speaks to this idea that who we acknowledge as Jesus, if Jesus is not black, <laughs> if Jesus is not a person of color, if you do not name Jesus as the suffering servant, right? Where, where 
everything about him is a question in direct opposition to power structures that be no (laughs) right right and so we can't agree to disagree jesus is not white and in the sense that if you are unable to see jesus as a person of color i question then what is what is your hope of salvation rooted in because the brokenness of jesus being (laughs) being black the brokenness of jesus being someone who is whose society says no we don't like you murdered at in his mid-30s no 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 everything about like Jesus died an untimely death. That's that's the story of Black people in America. What? (laughs) Everything about him Mm. points to a person of color. And you say, if I have to have any type of hope that this world could be better, I turn to somebody that looks like me, lived this walk, and was both God and human. I just don't see... There's There's a theological war when you name Jesus as white and you don't want to put him on the cross. Or you say things like innocent blood. Whose blood? (laughs) Innocent, what? (laughs) Six people have, and I don't say this funny, six people have passed away from the Capitol riots as of today. Since March, (laughs) Black folks have seen countless Black folks die at the hands of state-sanctioned violence. We have got to name that, right? And so you really say Jesus saves. Who is Jesus saving? When white people are, that question matters so much more when you're asking society is, society is killing people and there is no justice. Society then has a capital riot and folks are quick to say impeachment. No, no, no. (laughs) If you can't answer the fact that Jesus, that somebody was killed while sleeping in her home, And Jesus is mourning for that? No, no. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> You're on fire. I am, because I'm tired. I'm tired. And it, it's, it's showing that, like, and if, if, any, if, this, if this is showing nothing else, besides the conversation, I mean, clearly we know racism is real, <laughs> right? So we know that whiteness as, is a is a real evil that's at work right now. We know that anti-blackness, we know transphobia, we know these things, we know classism, transphobia, we ageism, we know these things are at work. What we don't know and we're not naming enough right now, particularly as we're seeing America kind of fall, is that a lot of this is supported by white people who support a white Christian idea of what America should look like. That matters. Yes, there are Black people who are also supporting um, Republicans. Like, I'm not, I'm not coming for that. I'm, I'm literally trying to name the fact that on the same day that people are trying to overthrow a government, they are also waving signs that says Jesus saves. We have got to say that at this point, we cannot agree to disagree about how Jesus looks. Jesus is colored. God is, God names God's self without pronouns, which means that God has no masculinity, but God can be who God needs to be. So when I'm sad and I need, and I need a mom's hug and I'm like in distress, I'm like, God, I need you to give me love. I imagine that God taps into whatever God needs to, to show me that. And that, that 
way of love has no boundary of limit, uh, like has no boundary of gender, right? And so if God, the Bible names God as a mother who holds their children, I imagine God does that. I also imagine that God can do things that are, you know, I hate to say masculine, but I, right. But I think that that's the issue is that if you cannot imagine God to not be a white man, not to be a man in power, then that that's not what this is. <laughs> that No, this is not, we can't agree. Jesus is not white, period. He's black. Read the cross and the lynching tree and then you'll get your life. But yeah. Better. You better say <laughs> all of that. <laughs> yes. I love y'all. <laughs> yes. Because when you were explaining and talking about how you felt, oh, my nephew's upstairs, um, how you felt about imaging Jesus and imaging God, like I've really resonated with that because towards the end of your statement, you were talking about how that person or that image is imagined in whatever capacity I needed to be at the mm-hmm. time. And mm-hmm. I resonate with that because, you know, and this is, this goes to the generation of people that we are a part of who don't necessarily feel a space in religion because they have so many questions and people have just not answered it. So they're just trying to seek whatever Mm -hmm. guidance they can from whoever if it's from buddhism it's from judaism if if it's if it's from Sikh, any anywhere they find they find a home or a place that represents their morals values in their soul you know Mm -hmm. so um with that being said like i i've always been conflicted especially ever since i saw that there were two at least two images in my life of who Jesus represented. And I never knew who to go to and how to express or how to question how this image played a role in my life and how it played a role in me seeking um, religion, like spirituality through religious practice. So I'm still thinking about that, but I absolutely think that the image of Jesus, of God, is always going to be represented in how I need this image to show up. Mm-hmm. So um, I will say that, and I'm learning so much, which is why I'm so glad that you are here, Jason, because your study of theology, it, it lends itself to a, a logical sense that I can understand because I didn't, I wasn't aware of womanist theology or black liberation theology and the common person who does not study theology or is not in an educational setting studying Mm -hmm. theology, they won't know that because Mm -hmm. of what is constantly being promoted in churches across the United States or from where we stand as um, consumers of religion. So that is just not something that we always hear or understand that there are spaces that exist to question how we, how we, how God or how Jesus shows up in our lives. Yep. So I'm glad that you pointed that out. And I definitely want to continue to look into those because, um, like that would be something that I would want to follow. Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. They're like, we know and what has been shown in our media and you know 
all the time it has been like the dismissal uh, or the removal of people who like same-sex relationships or mm-hmm. who question their gender and will choose to be another gender other than how they were assigned at birth, you mm-hmm. know, things like that. And we try to discard them as if we try to discard those people as a society as if they mean nothing. Mm-hmm. And that is constantly promoted throughout religion and religious practice. But yet there is a space in theology for you, mm-hmm. but that's mm-hmm. just not something that's seen, you know? Right. So right. I just like, right. it lends me to think more about how exactly I do, um, how I, how I hold on to the image of Jesus yes. and God. Yeah. How that works in my favor and how it might work in, I guess, someone else's favor. Like what you said when you saw Jesus saves and you're just thinking like, but you are a person who is promoting racial mm-hmm. disparity and inequity and shouting mm-hmm. and bigotry. So who is mm-hmm. you saving? Mm-hmm. He ain't saving <laughs> me, you know? So I still have more thought to give to that. And I hope um, the people who are listening also choose that as their right, as their birthright. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, yeah, I was getting plucked in, ch- in church for falling asleep. <laughs> but, you know, for good reason, because it might not have been something that resonated with me at the time. And I didn't know that it could resonate with me, you know? So yeah. I'm sorry. If y'all hear my nephews, they loud. And I'm not going to stop them because <laughs> we still in quarantine and they deserve, okay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so i i i welcome i i welcome the questioning at this point and i'm not yeah. so afraid or uncomfortable with continuing my line of questioning if it comes to yeah. me, so. how about you anthony j i am um i'm feeling there's levels to the shit. <laughs> so, um, I think that even looking at last year when we had the episode on questioning Christianity, right? And normalizing and feeling okay with questioning things that we don't understand or things that we weren't able to discuss. I think that um, I can feel myself shifting from that phase of it's okay to question to be like, okay, I'm ready to start going deeper and learning more. Mm-hmm. I've had way too many times that I can name in just 2020 where I felt like I was um, maybe caught off guard or not as prepared as I wanted to be in having a conversation about race and religion or talking about race and gender, talking about race and sexuality. I mean, talking about um, religion and sexuality. And so I feel myself moving to the some of the places that you cited um, I'm going to do as my homework. <laughs> um, but I think that there's a, I think it's, um, these conversations are big and can mm-hmm. take um, a lot of time and a lot of warming up to do. I feel like I'm getting there, but there's this decolonizing yeah. of the mind that I've been saying needs to happen, right? And mm-hmm. so I've been amazed to be able to see other Black people to be able to say, this is what's in Christianity that also comes from African roots. And like mm-hmm. these things, this is how I honor this. This is how I may still do Christmas, but this is how I do it my way based on Christianity that I honor and African faith that I believe. Like, so I'm ready for, I feel myself getting more of that. It's like, let's continue to decolonize the way that we celebrate um, 
things and, and, and learn deeper into it and find my own. You know what I mean? Uh, I mm -hmm. think I'm also starting to let go of a, it's easier to be like, this is how it's done. And somebody tells me how it's done and you just follow because that's happened generation after generation. I think it's coming to a point now where it's like, you have to forge your own way. Um, and so I'm getting excited about that. And these conversations, I think, give me that yeah. reminder that it's like, okay. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah. Oh, go ahead. And I think that that's also, and when, when you say forge your own way, I also wanted to say too, that that's how I also felt and feel a lot of times too. And then I realized that there is a, there is a community of black folks who are also desperately in search of liberation through Christianity. And I think that that has been a gift too. So like, and I really resonate with what you're saying in terms of it, it's, it's a joy to actually see black people being able to talk about faith with a way that says there's room for growth, there's room for questioning. And I, I'm <laughs> I hate this to be like, yay, join us. Right. But like, I think that that it also, it's, it's also, I also extend that to you that there is a larger community, even though, because again, kind of like what's happening as of late, right? Like the louder voices are capital uprising, not uprising, <laughs> excuse me, mob violence of predominantly white folks who are waving Christian flags, trying to overthrow political powers, right? Naming this. <laughs> and at the same time, you see all of the gifts and joys of blackness coming through and you see, the gifts and joys of um, we have we literally have transgender Congress <laughs> leadership, right? The world is changing in a beautiful way because this is where this is where we've always been, right? Black people have always been here. People who are transgender have always been here. Um, gay people have always been here. Like. <laughs> I think that the the society that we've lived in has always tried to shut them out. But no, like the, 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 there is liberation that is possible. And I think that it is closer than it feels right now. But I do think that it's possible. And when you look to these glimpses of hope, it's also because people have been already starting to do that work of deliberation. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's also, you know, like some of the work, and I'll, I'll, again, I'll assign this homework, <laughs> but some of the work in Black theology was coming out during the 60s and 70s, right? So they've been thinking about, we need to start asking bigger questions about, is God racist? Because if, he, if he's not, then we need to kill whatever image of God he is, right? So these, these questions have been happening. It's just, I think right now, we have to be more diligent about finding those safe spaces for us to ask those questions. Because I don't think everywhere is safe to ask these questions. So you know, don't feel like you're alone. And I say that to, I say that to younger me, to you, Anthony, and also to anyone who might feel alone because we're, y'all are, we're not alone. There are so many of us who are saying that you can literally, Jesus says you can have life more abundantly. That's what he came here. He, that was a promise of his, right? So we out here, you know, we just, we just in quarantine. <laughs> uh, thank you for that though. Um, <laughs> Anything else before we close out? No.
right. Um, and so we might as well start with you, Jason, with homework, since I'm probably going to pick you back on a lot of the gems that you're giving and just take notes. So I, I have a lot of homework. I have a lot of homework. So I start with a pastor in the DMV area, um, Howard John Wesley at Alfred Street Baptist Church. Um, I think he's very prominent in this area among um, like black millennial generation because a lot of his stuff is just real. He has a Bible study series on YouTube called Can I Push It? It is long. <laughs> there are a lot of videos, but I, I promise you he asks all of the tough questions. Is Jesus Christ the only way? Is, Christian, like, is Christianity the only way? Can Muslims and Jews go to heaven? Or, right? Like, he's pushing those questions. And I think that that is a good starting point for people who are saying, I've grown up in a space where I couldn't ask questions. He's starting to ask those questions. Um, for those who are interested in black theology, I would point to everything that James Halcone has written because he is what they, they coined him as the father of black theology. So I named a book from him, The Cross and the Lynching Tree. I also have um, God of the Oppressed on my bookshelf somewhere. <laughs> um, he really starts to ask those questions. Um, and he didn't write a preamble to Black theology. I forget the author, but there's, an, uh, there's a book titled Is God a White Racist? And so those really point to some of the historical questions where black thinkers during the civil rights movements were saying, uh-uh, this ain't, this is what. And I think that that's exactly why we're starting to see kind of the rejuvenation of these questions now because of what we're seeing. The last two things that I'll assign are um, written, one is written predominantly or led by um, a professor of mine, um, Ebony Marshall Terman. She's now at Yale Divinity School, um, but there is, on if you google it it is called a theological statement from the black church on juneteenth um and i think that that points to and i think that that's a very good resource for people who are saying where are churches and pastors who are asking the types of questions that i am because at the end of it they essentially list <laughs> the names of thinkers and scholars and preachers who are saying this is what we stand for as the black church and then the last thing I'll say is Dr. Terman also does a, has an interview um, that's captured on Sojourners and it's called The Black Church Has Always Resisted Anti-Blackness. And at the end, if I can, right quick, <laughs> she talks about how, well, she says, we have wrestled with colorism in our communities historically and that's never talked about. We do all this race stuff, but we'll never talk about gender. We never talk about sexuality. But Black people are women too. Black people are gay too. Black people are trans too. We are intersectional. In order for us to be real about our commitment to justice, we have to be committed to justice for every Black body, not just some of them. We have to believe that all Black lives matter. And if they don't matter to us, we have to believe they matter to God, which means that they must matter. Everything she says, I feel like is golden. So I would also just plug following Ebony Marshall Terman because I think that that is, she's a leading thinker in womanist theology. And I think that that is also, she also has a lot of great writings and thoughts in terms of questioning um, 
society's issues alongside who God is and should be for us. So that's my homework. That's a lot. <laughs> so it's a whole semester. <laughs> that's great. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'm trying to find her on Twitter. What's up? <laughs> I'm looking right now. <laughs> yeah, she is. She is everything great. Um, yeah. 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 My only homework is going to be to. Um, I realized that in my goals for the year that um, as far as thinking about um, like beyond my one-on-one -on -one connection to, to faith and, and, and to God, that I didn't have goals and actually like the learning of it and, mm -hmm. um, and seeking that. And so that is going to be my goal. And I encourage that to be other people's goal if um, you didn't already and you're curious about this. That's my homework. Well, I don't have a resource book or the, the theology knowledge that Jason Ash has, but you know, I'm going to say, do what he Bye. said <laughs> and do what Anthony J said. <laughs> no, <laughs> but um, I do want to um, give our classmates the opportunity if they are in a place where spirituality is a sect of their life that they are trying to regain power in and knowledge mm -hmm. um to create i'm i'm a big journal person i'm a big writing person and i think mm -hmm. that um for a lot of the words that i can't say like i feel like i can articulate better in my writing than i do in my words sometimes because i just can't think as fast all the time um, despite having a podcast and talking all the time, <laughs> but, um, I will encourage people to, um, write, to go to a store. I don't know or care how you get there. Or if you have a, um, store online that you will get stationary from, or just write down on like a piece of paper, I encourage people to begin the process of being intentional, not even just in terms of, um, understanding or acknowledging how what you know the transitions of their soul but more so just to understand what is all happening around you um because mm. we have all collectively suffered in 2020 we can all say that um despite the there have been so many great things that happened in 2020 but it was just really chaotic for most of us and um there's no reason to keep hiding behind your pain and keep chugging along as if things are great. And if you feel like you understanding God more and you um, acknowledging your spirituality more is something that will help you through it, then I encourage you to write. Um, write about your, your fears, your questions, um, mm -hmm. who are your resources. Just compile them in a book. Mm -hmm. and let them be a resource just for you if you need it or whoever comes to you and wants to have that conversation with you so mm -hmm. and get a good ink pen i recommend the sharpie <laughs> gel pens <laughs> i love it so, yeah. <laughs> but that's our homework <laughs> So um, <laughs> we're going to close out the show. Jason, please plug your social media for us. Yeah, I am the Faded Nerd on Instagram. You can also find me at Cheers by Jason on Instagram. 
um, Jason underscore Ash at Twitter. Um, although I'm not on social media as much as of late, I'm trying to tame it just with a pandemic and until Trump is out of office. <laughs> we know. We can resonate. All, right. But yeah, I'm, I'm out there. So, you know, follow questions and thoughts. I'd definitely be happy to continue having conversations too. So yeah, so grateful for y'all having me on. Thank y'all. As we are grateful for you. I hope I and said that never, the best way I could. <laughs> Jason never plugged it, but he'd be out here marrying folk. I just want to. <laughs> well, he plugged Cheers by Jason. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means. He, oh, that okay. is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I'd be, yeah, I'd be forgetting. And we do, I guess, and we do pandemic weddings now too with masks. So we can make it work. Hello? Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I'm going to plug our social media. So we are on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, YouTube Music, Facebook, and Instagram as No Class Podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can go to No underscore Class Podcast. On Tumblr, we are No Dash Class Podcast. And if you have any questions, inquiries, donations, please <laughs> um, contact us at no.classpodcast at gmail.com. Please, if you um, have it in you, if you have the energy, continue to rate us on iTunes. Like, we really appreciate um, the feedback that we get, and um, we need everyone to see. Like, if you're going to support a Black business, you got to rate them, okay? Let them know the Yelp review, <laughs> and let them know what you think about it, so people can join in on the conversation. Um, as I said before, we are accepting donations. Um, if you didn't get that why I plugged our email. Um, you can send that to us. If you um, got something left there over after you pay your tithes and offering. <laughs> yeah, because we could be a part of tithes, especially for this conversation. <laughs> but yes, please visit our link tree. Um, we have the link in our bio where you could donate. Um, or you can also reach us via email at paypal, um, no.classpodcast at gmail.com on our paypal. So that's also something. Um, any last in thoughts before we take this out? No, it has been a joy. Keep questioning. Keep questioning. I think that that is the, that is the gift that a lot of our, uh, I don't want to say our parents, because I won't blame them, but I do think that the Black church kind of as a whole took away the gift of questioning. Yeah. You should always be able to ask questions. God, God does not reject questions when you're genuinely trying to figure out what is going on so because he will I, answer yeah. yeah okay just be ready for that <laughs> answer that's it that's what you need to worry about is that answer no <laughs> <laughs> let me all right anthony please close us out i'm gonna be ridiculous okay that's what i'm waiting for and that's what i'm really saying is that at the end Chantel says some line that's like a sham out there that is ridiculous, and I was just it to happen. So y'all study my hydrated and glowed up, and we'll see y'all next time. Oh, my God.